0: All right, so some announcements for you. Uh, First and foremost, we have a invite you to fellowship with us after the service. We have a meal prepared by uh, and Maria. Yay, should be delicious. Looking forward to that. (laughs) Um, uh, Just a reminder, um, you know we're gonna start reminding I think everybody again, um, especially as fall coming up. um, We do have. Every morning at 9.30, we have excellent opportunities for um, all sorts of different things. There's a coffee bar, but there's also uh, classes for all age groups, um, especially me and my wife. We uh, have a youth group up there, up, uh, upstairs, um, for those um, middle school and above. And um, we've kind of been taking a break this summer, but we want to start um, encouraging you to start thinking about perhaps um, coming up if you're... Um, that age, or going to be that age, middle school and up to high school, even even after high school, we have some who are post high school who are just come and want to to hear about the word. Um, we'll be discussing different things, just kind of chatting about what God has for us and and what He shows us through His Word. You know, kind of some deep study stuff. So be thinking about that. And if you know somebody that age who you think should be up there and learning that type of thing, uh, it's a it's a good opportunity. It's a good time to learn with those of that age group. All right. Uh, We also have uh, an invitation from Kent and Chantel for uh, Saturday, August 25th. Um, Boots and bling, music all day, yard games, Um, bring your own dish to pass, lawn chairs, sounds like fun. Uh, We have a serving opportunity uh, for those who know about computer networking, social media, that type of thing. Um, We're looking for someone, uh, so talk to Pastor Steve or John Cootley if you're interested in that. Uh, We have a a building fund report, Uh, not too different than it's been the last few weeks. Um, We have uh, the goal of 35,000, right? And we've gone uh, 33,070, so we have 1,929 to go. So we'll keep feeding into that, right? Let's see, other things... Worth announcing this week. Um, we have the normal kind of weekly things, I believe. We have quilting group. Uh, we have a class at one on Wednesday with uh, Grandma Joyce and Grandma Glennis. Uh, but um, let's see, on September 8th, we have a four-week Bible study led by Pastor Dean on the book of James. Um, and also September Sunday, September 2nd, so that's two Sundays from now, I believe. Uh, We'll have prayer of blessing over the backpacks, praying for those who are going back to school. Praying for blessing, favor, and protection. All right. I think that's our announcements. All right. So I have something to share with you this morning. Pop it up here quick. Um, Something to sort of encourage us, I guess, as we're thinking about blessing and thinking about uh, our giving, too. So the last few times I've been up here, I've shared a moment with you. Uh, and been talking about this theme of, of unity in the body of Christ, right? And I wasn't planning on maybe harping on this for a third time, um, but in my own personal devotions in this last week, I came across this reading in the book of Nehemiah and was struck by how well uh, many of the themes um, excellently, excellently pr- um, portray uh, what unity looks like, um, and I thought it might be worth our time sharing that this morning. So now when we hear the name Nehemiah, what, what do we usually think of? Do we remember who, what Nehemiah did? Builds a wall, right? Right? So we remember we remember Ezra, he, he finishes a temple right, and Nehemiah, he builds the wall. Um, the thing is is that uh, Nehemiah didn't build that wall. He didn't build it all by himself, did he? Sure, Nehemiah was the governor at the time, and he was the one who organized and led the charge. Um, but he was not alone to raise up those cities def- the city's defenses. Uh, as I was reading this week, I noticed how the early chapters of Nehemiah take the time to list, at length, the many, many families and groups of people responsible for building that wall. Now, I wasn't surprised that there were many builders who took part in such a large project, but what did strike me, however, was the manner of delegation and order that was applied to the project. Smaller groups of people were assigned to sections of the wall. More, li- uh, more likely than not, if your family owned a house near to a section of the wall, that was the part that was assigned to you, the, one that, the part that was nearest to you. That was your section. You were responsible for building up that part. And that may not seem so very interesting to us, but as we get deeper into Nehemiah, the plot thickens. Uh, in Nehemiah 4, the kings and, and people of power in the surrounding area around Jerusalem Hear that the walls are being rebuilt and that Jerusalem is regaining strength and fortification and those people become afraid. So they release statements slandering the city saying, oh, uh, that, they're nothing and they, can, they can't rebuild from rubbish and trash the remains of some old dead city and saying that if even a fox were to jump onto that wall, I'm sure it would just crumble right down. And the wall, but the wall continues to be built. So they escalate their attack, and the account says that the leaders planned to attack, and planned an attack that was meant to specifically cause confusion and chaos among the peoples that the wall would not be finished. But the people hear of this plan and they prepare, and Nehemiah boasts a little bit, and he says that the people who are building the wall, and I quote, "those who built the wall and those who carry burdens loaded themselves." That with one hand they worked the construction, and with the other hand they held a weapon. Their enemies never even make an attempt, because the people do not, and the people do not stop until it's finished. Now the story reminded me of the place, maybe the capital C church, the church overall may find itself in today. Um, the enemy may say, "Oh, look at your history! Look at how you failed the world over and over again, century after century." You're just a lost and broken organization. You can't help the world. But the church, in spite of what seems possible, will have to unite in that single effort to build this king of the city, the city of the king. And the time will come, and I believe it is at hand now, when all things that kept us apart, all the excuses of denominational difference, all the confusion of whose responsibility it is to do what, will all sort of fade away. That that immediate need to build up the wall and to do each of our parts will be quickened in every single one of us. And so my encouragement for this week is much the same as it has been before. To go out and do excellently that which Christ has set before you. That section of the kingdom that is yours to build. But also to be expectant. And to be watching for signs that will encourage you in the spirit and see how he's moving on that grander scale that all around you, you see people building their sections as well and doing their part in the kingdom and celebrating that, that they are doing the thing right next to you that is building that whole kingdom. And of course, be wearing that armor of God and be ready with that sword of the spirit, right? To be vigilant for what the enemy may be doing, but knowing full well that he will be turned away and that the kingdom will be built. So, Father, as we think about how you bless us, as we think about how blessed we are to come and meet here, what a gift it is to be together in unity, in, in a body, in a small setting like this, we ask that you would show us even one person to each and every one of us. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe a child, maybe it's somebody we've overlooked, or maybe somebody... We thought we could never be in unity with. Show us somebody through your eyes, Jesus. Show us how they are part of your kingdom, part of your plan. Show us how we are part of that plan and part of this bigger picture of who the church is meant to be, what the church is meant to be, how you are the kingdom. In your name, Jesus. Amen.
1: Thank you, Peter. Well, let's see. I'll put this aside. I like to sit when I play, but I guess I like to talk. I like to stand when I talk. Um, I talked this morning about salvation. And um, I was raised a Lutheran, okay? I was baptized into the Lutheran church, and I was confirmed a Lutheran. So my whole concept of salvation was I was set, good to go. You know? That's what, they, that's what they told me. You're good to go. In fact, my confirmation was such a big thing among my Scandinavian relatives that they came to my confirmation. They didn't come to my graduation, but they came to my confirmation. It was a big deal. But then after we got confirmed, at least this is how I looked at it, I had a license not to have to go to church. And a whole concept of a personal relationship with God just seemed like, what are you talking about? That's like science fiction, you know? And we had a family that were evangelical Christians that lived down the road from us, and uh, they were weird. Flat out weird, man. I mean, they were weird. Um, you know, the guy, well, I don't need to go into all of it, but he, they were strange. And I mean, they weren't strange in a good way. They were just strange. I mean, they're always worried about the world coming to an end, burying Bibles. Um, in our neighborhood, there was a lot of drinking and block parties, and they would go out there and sing with their auto harp, what a friend we have at Jesus at 12 o'clock at night next to my Catholic, Irish Catholic neighbors who were, they'd gone to mass Saturday so they could party Saturday night. And then the guy had a breakdown, nervous breakdown, so I was like, "Mm, yeah, well, what they're talking about is uh, probably what I don't need. (laughs) Enough problems. And I did, because there was the home I grew up in, there was, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of alcohol and a lot of stuff going on. Um, but, you know, I kept hearing this thing about a personal relationship with God, and I was like, it just doesn't compute, you know, and, and, and that, that was like a seed, I think, probably, that encompassed or God planted in my, in my thoughts, you know. How can we have a personal relationship with God? Salvation. That's what I'm going to talk about this morning is salvation. Personal relationship with God. Best thing I ever did in my whole life. Our best thing... I ever allowed to have done in my life found out that God was calling wooing and and manifesting himself to me in many ways we take our salvation very lightly it's like oh yeah i'm saved i had to get religionized not to be excited about salvation After I got around enough old stuffy, beat-up, belligerent, nasty, mean Christians, that's what you are. if If you're not walking in the light, you're miserable. Because the most miserable people on the face of this earth are people who have been born again and are fooling around with sin. Because inside you're like, oh, I got this battle going on and... And then, well, I'm going to judge someone else and I'm going to tell them what I think. Revelations talks about returning to our first love and just enjoying Him. Many of the songs this morning, they talked about our first love to God. I don't know if you noticed that, but they did. And despite religious people... God's goodness kept reaching out to me. And you know what? I'm getting to a point in life again where I believe God can do anything. God is God. People, up and down. But God is God. Don't look at people. If you're a new Christian, or if you've never been a Christian, or if you're an old Christian, quit looking at people. Yeah. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Anyways, we got about two hours to cover in 20 minutes. Not going to make it. Wasn't going to do that. That was my introduction, which I didn't plan on. Uh, Salvation. It's present. Well, let's put it this way. It's past, present, and future. If we want to get theological about it, we can say that, re- that salvation has within it these three things, these three components, regeneration, salvation, or sanctification, and glorification. Now we're going to need our projector. Man is a tripartite uh, being. I never heard of anything other than that. I mean, that's just the way I grew up. And when I became born again, it was being taught. And our first scripture is First Thessalonians 5.23. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Three parts. Salvation of the spirit. Our spirit was spiritually dead and alienated from God. Do we see that in Ephesians 2.12? When we're born again, we pass from death unto life, and we are made alive together with Jesus Christ. This is called regeneration. And we could spend probably weeks talking about regeneration. This morning, I'm just kind of covering it quickly. But here is the craziest thing about it. Jesus Christ literally comes into your life, into your heart, into your spirit, takes up residence. I remember hearing a song, into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I mean, I don't know if that, if that doesn't kind of mess with your head, but if it doesn't, you've heard it too often. you got the second person in the Trinity residing on the inside of you. Technically speaking, your spirit is put to death, is resurrected again, and is in union with Jesus Christ. Now, Paul did talk about that. He says, to whom God would make known, what is this mystery among us? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. I mean, that's like, whoa, you know, God's on the inside of me. In fact, it's so radical that we are born again, recreated uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore if anyone is in Christ they are a new creation. Behold all things become new. Um, this thing of everything becoming new I mean it doesn't change if you've got brown eyes or blue eyes necessarily or but it's on the inside of you. You've got Life, you've got spiritual life on the inside of you. You've got Jesus Christ on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I use those two terms, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. God is one. I don't understand the trinity, but I know that I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit because the Bible says that, and I know that Jesus Christ is within me because the Bible says that. But what a, wild, what a wild thing that has happened. You were dead to sin. You were under sin. You were under the authority of sin. You had no choice. You know, people kind of, like they look down their nose at someone, like someone who's maybe, uh, well, let's say you've got a banker that's probably embezzling money and messing around with people. But he's successful, and the community looks at him and says, well, i had a fine guy. He donates. He does this and he does that. I'm not saying all people, but he's a successful sinner. Let's just put it that way. Maybe he doesn't even do that. But he isn't born again. He's a successful sinner. And then you've got a prostitute, and he looks down his nose, and he says, you know what? You're trash. Guess what? They're both going to hell. <laughs> you know? One's a successful sinner, and one's probably a successful sinner in another venue. But neither one of them are alive to God. You've got to be born again, have the Spirit of God coming into your life, killing that old spirit that was under the subjection and authority of, of uh, Satan. Satan. You have no choice unless you're born again. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. You, you, there's no grave kingdom. It isn't there. Anyways, when you're born again, the Bible makes another outlandish statement. It says, you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay, I don't feel righteous. I don't look righteous. Maybe I don't even act righteous. But the Bible says you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That is who you are because of who resides in you. Notice I said in Christ. I didn't say in you. In Christ. As a Christian, we need... To study who we are in Christ Jesus. We need to to look every scripture up that says in him, in whom, because that is your identity. That is who you are. Some people said when they've done that, it's almost like they've been born again, again. It's like, whoa, I didn't know who this. I didn't know who I was. Okay, so that's regeneration. I'm gonna talk about glorification. And um, that scripture did you get the scriptures up, or we're, we're going to need 1 Corinthians 15:51 through54. And um, you know, glorification is when our bodies are changed. The last trump of God sounds. I don't know if many of you are familiar with uh, cemeteries. I'm not really familiar with them. But one thing that I do know is that in a cemetery, all of the feet face east. Every last one of them. You know why? Because because Christ is coming from the east. And the thought was that when that morning happens... The dead in Christ are going to rise, and their feet are going to be to the east, and their heads are going to come up, and they're going to greet the Lord Jesus Christ. Or they're going to be re- the spirit will be re- re- reunite, re- reunited with the um, with the body. You say, "Well, what if they're buried at sea?" You know what? God is so big. I think He's got all of the molecules numbered, so don't worry about it. It's it's, it's cool. You know, I've heard a lot of older people say, "I can't be cremated." Well, how about the poor guy that got eaten by sharks, you know? God's got it under control. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54. Behold, I tell you a mystery. See, it's not, this just isn't like, oh, you know, easy, easy peasy knowledge. This is a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment. In the twinkling of an eye the last trump at the last trump for the trump will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and will and shall be changed for this corruptible for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so when the corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the, the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. I mean, that's got to be something else. I heard, I remember a guy preaching on this one time. He said the twinkling of an eye was one, eight, one eight thousandths of a second. I don't know how they measure that, but that's pretty quick. My mom came to the Lord and um, Actually, her whole family, they were born-again Christians pretty much, but they all kind of, they all had a time in their life where there was some things that they needed to work through. But anyways, she had a sister who uh, passed on with cancer. And... Um, I mean, <laughs> this is so weird. I was thinking about this in the shower this morning. It's like, Amy always struggled with her weight, and uh, she'd go to Weight Watchers. That was my mom's sister. And uh, when she got cancer, she was dying at an Altru hospital up in Grand Forks. The morning before she died, she she uh, mom was talking to her, I think, and she says, "Well, Tori," she says. Yeah, she says, I just, I just hit my goal, my target weight. <laughs> and she was somewhat serious, you know. <laughs> and, and then she passed on the next day. The target weight was a, kind of a hard one. But, you know, a little bit longer along in the, in the year, Mom uh, was sleeping. She had a vision of Amy. And, uh, she's, you know, she looked pretty rough because she had cancer and she said, oh, Dan, she said, you should have seen her. Oh, you know, and, and I know visions are subjective and stuff, but she said, she was beautiful. Oh, she was just gorgeous, and she was she was in this river, she said, and that was, you know, that's not her glorified body, that's just, you know, her spirit she probably saw, or however God, I don't know how God does these things, but he does them, you know. I'm not going to try to explain that. And she says, and she was sitting in this river, and she, was, and she was just dressed in white. And she said, all these Bible verses were just kind of flowing around her. Oh, she said it was incredible. You know, Billy Graham said something that I thought was always interesting. He said, you know, if, if Christianity just boiled down to, a, to this, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, it'd be worth it but there's so much more, believe me. But, you know, for the Christian, there is no real goodbye, you know? I mean, I I know I'm going to see so many people that have passed on. And, um, in fact, we went to a funeral just this week. And it's like, wow. We'll get to see that person healthy and happy and, and able to run and walk. So, right there. I mean, so incredible. We'll be in the presence of God with that new glorified body. The reason you've got to have a glorified body is if you got into God's presence with this one, you get flashed, you know. Power of God is incredible. But we got that to look forward to. Lost loved ones. We get to sit and talk to Jesus. We can anyways. I mean, we should be talking to Jesus just like our best friend. Uh, Kick out the, you know, you gotta... No, you need to just talk with the Lord all the time. But you're you're gonna be in his presence. It's gonna be crazy good. Anyways, that's what we call glorification. We got five minutes to cover uh, sanctification. Sanctification. Here's what you got. You got an unredeemed soul, mind, will, and emotions. has pretty much ran the roost, did what it wanted to do under the dominion of a fallen spirit. Pretty much got the body doing all kinds of weird stuff it shouldn't be doing. And all of a sudden, one day, the spirit dies, is resurrected, and there's Jesus in the spirit, it's in union with our spirit. And you've got a redeemed spirit, and you've got an unrenewed mind. You know what? you got problems. And a lot of people wouldn't say that, but you do. And typically, the first thing we'll try to do is we will try to conquer sin on our own. How many of you try to conquer sin on your own? You're gonna. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna eat past nine o'clock again. Next night, you're eating past nine o'clock. I'm never gonna. Never ever gonna smoke another cigarette. Well, two days later, here smoking. I'm done with the booze. Oh, I gotta, gotta go to the store. <laughs> Sanctification. God's spirit comes into your spirit, and slowly over time there's change. There should be change. There's things that you can do. Um When you get that battle going on inside of you and it seems like the flesh is winning and you've been kind of kicked around, you come across this scripture in Romans 7, I believe it's 24, it says, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this, spirit, from this body of death? And You say, Paul, I kind of relate to what you're saying. But it ends in a question mark. Who will deliver me from this body of death? The answer is Jesus. He'll do it. Yeah. The answer is actually Romans 8.1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Whoa. I don't know about you, but when you're walking around condemned all the time, you don't feel so good. In fact, when you're condemned, you feel like giving up a lot of times. But there is no condemnation because you're in Christ Jesus. He's there with you. And I remember hearing something years ago, and it's true. It's like, you know, when we goof up, sin, that's the mark, we want to run from God. But what we should be doing is running to God. Yeah. And he's not there to condemn you. He ain't there to say, you big dummy, you shouldn't have done that. No. He's there, he'll wrap his arms around you. Because he loves you. That's crazy, isn't it? Not like human love. (laughs) Human love, I do good, I get good. Do bad, I get bad. That's not God. Romans 8, 5, and 6 then says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Here's where you can start asking God for help and making a checklist. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be, kind, to be carnally minded is Death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You can have life and peace. And guess what? You don't have to try to do it all on your own because it's a grace proposition. I've heard the term greasy grace, and it's like, first place, I hate that because without grace I'm not saved. Do I believe grace gives you a license of sin? Heavens, no. Grace gives you a right to live a holy life. He gives, you, he gives you the right to be sanctified. I've known people who, I'll just use these as examples. One man that I know of was drinking a quart of whiskey a day. You now, when you drink a quart of whiskey a day, you're drinking a lot. And he got to the point where he says, God, I'm going to kill myself. You're either going to have to change me, come into my heart, I'm gonna kill myself. And he had his gun out. And God miraculously came down, saved him, delivered him of alcohol. How many of you know that's impossible in the natural? You take a, you take, you take that, you take someone who's drinking like that and you take your alcohol away from them, and you kill them. You gotta give a, you gotta give them a little bit to get them down to treatment where they can take them off. But so violent and incredible was his deliverance that he said, I don't even want you to come close to me if you're drinking. I don't want it on my place, around my place. My uncle was like that also, a quarter a day, but his was a deliverance that took a little bit longer. But you didn't, you didn't bring cigarettes or you didn't bring alcohol around him. His friends would come and say, yeah, uh, could help need a little help here. Uh, can I borrow 20 bucks? I'll close with this. And then we'll, One of his friends says, is <clears> it <throat> he Millard? He's passed on, too. He had really kind of a cool homecoming, too, but we won't go into that. He goes, you spared 20 bucks, and back in the late 60s, 20 bucks was quite a bit of money. He goes, I need some money. Buy groceries, of course. Groceries. Uh, my, my uncle didn't want, to, he didn't want anything to do with him. In fact, he told him, if you got a bottle, you put it in the, you put it in the mailbox out there, I'm going to shoot you. I'll kill you. <laughs> he meant it. <laughs> he wasn't that sanctified yet. And um, so Donnie come in and he goes, and this guy today is yet a Christian. I, I talked with him a, a year ago. He comes in and uh, he says, yeah. So he tried to work on his emotions. He says, you know, he says, "Um, I think I'm I'm no good. I'll just kill myself. And I remember my uncle looked at him and he goes, yeah, Donnie? He says, that might be a good idea. He says, "Uh, that would solve a lot of problems. (laughs) He knew he was messing with him, you know, trying to play the game. Some of you that have been around alcoholics know what I'm talking about. Uh, But anyways... That was the kind of deliverance my uncle had. What I'm saying today is, and we could go on a lot longer, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Don't try to do it by yourself, because you can't. But you still have to make decisions that flow in that direction. All you have to do is be willing and then be looking for God's grace to help you, to empower you from the inside. It's kind of funny. I did not plan on talking about salvation this morning. I had a really cool thing that I was going to do. I was going to have a contrast, a parallel between um, Jonah and Paul. And it was kind of neat because it involved ships and salvations and the character of God. And uh, Saturday morning, I was going to write that out. I had that all figured out. Been meditating on it. And I sat down and started writing, and I came, <laughs> came up with this. So, um, But this morning, I'm wondering if there's someone here You never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. He wants to have a personal relationship. I don't like preachers who cry and scream and you know. But the Spirit of God inside of me is saying there's someone maybe here this morning who needs, who needs to walk in that personal relationship. God wants to give you a hug. He wants to help you. He gave the Holy Spirit to be your helper. He wants to help you in your areas of life you're, you're, you're struggling with. Um, He's not there to condemn you. There's no, no condemnation. If you've never made the Lord your your Savior this morning, you just ask him to come into your heart. If you've been having a little bit of trouble, I don't believe in rededication because I don't believe he ever, I don't believe he's ever left you. I believe you maybe have to make a decision, and if you want to call that rededication, you go ahead. But you need to soften your heart up towards God if that's you this morning too people that are willing to come up to talk to you but please if 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 you've never had the Lord Jesus Christ invited into your heart do that and please come up and talk to someone because I got born again kind of on my own I heard a lot of stuff and got under conviction many times but you know for the first three months the only prayer I could pray at night was Lord Jesus come into my heart because I didn't know anymore, but I loved to feel the presence of God, and that's what I felt every time I prayed that prayer for, for many months. Um, anyways, if, if you want prayer, if you, feel convic- if you feel the conviction of God in your heart, you feel that wooing, please come up and talk to someone. Um, I'm going to conclude the service. If you need healing, prayer for healing, uh, any other need, please come up after the service, and we'll just conclude with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your love is amazing, knows no bounds. That you are our Abba, Father, your dearest Daddy just like in the natural, if we make a goof up, Father isn't mad. He wants to help. And that's how you are. You have a love that is never-ending. Lord, we just ask for a baptism of your love this morning upon the congregation. And Lord, we praise you, you, give you praise. Thank you for who you are, what you've done for us. Jesus name Okay. so if you need prayer come up and we got prayer ministers and other than that Hmm? oh the meal yeah oh yeah you got it this is a good meal (laughs) Adam and Maria right yeah oh wow yeah that's great yeah the meal okay God bless you.